Well, here we go, and here we go with another episode of We Talk Music on the air and in your ear. And once again, I'm Martin, and I have with me uh, the king of the casters, Mr. Brett Podcast. Woo! Brett, you're... <laughs> I think we're going to get a good one here today, Brett. <laughs> oh, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. We have a, a fabulous singer who is 100% not Steven Tyler. But uh, but we do have he he is the singer for Angels in Vain. Um, I remember him way back with L.A. Guns and Cherry Street. He is Chris Van Dahl. Chris, how are you? I'm fantastic, man. It's good to see you guys. Well, it's great to see you. I mean, I've been listening to you for a long time, so it's awesome to finally have you on the show, and it's awesome for you to well, not just to be here, but uh, but but also to be promoting Angels in Vain because you've been waiting a while. Yeah, like uh, like like the cover, right? A uh, long time coming. It it this this record has been brewing, developing, coming together, bouncing around, and getting itself finished for I don't know five six years now, and it's finally time to release it. So we're we're really happy that we finally decided to pull the trigger. So much going on, you know. Back in the beginning when we started working on this, the reason playing right back into what you said was I was performing all over the world with legends in concert and my former band Aerosmith as Steven Tyler. And it got to the point where I was doing 11 shows a week, six nights a week. And, you know, like I didn't know where, where the line ended for Tyler and started for me because it was my life. Um, And I said, I got to do something different, man. I got to do something just, just about the music. So I called my old bandmate, Taz, uh, him and I go way back. We moved to California from Detroit together back in the 80s to form Cherry Street. And I said, hey, man, let's do a record. And it wasn't about anything but making music that we like. And slowly but surely, and a lot of people know the story, but the progression was, you know, um, Stacy Blaze called me up about this David Bowie tribute after he passed away. Uh, that he was working on with um, uh, Eric from Fast Your Pussycat. And they heard what Taz and I were working on, and they said, let's be a band. And I was just like, whoa, wait a minute. And well, wasn't ready for that. You know what I mean? Taz and I were writing and recording everything. We were like three songs deep at the time. And we said, you know what? Maybe this could work. So we started to move in that direction with it, and we released the first song, and it just blew up no i mean you you can never tell with these kind of things you know we were looking for that it wasn't about recognition it was just this is music that we dig that we were doing because we were enjoying doing it and suddenly it became much more corporate i think maybe that's that's the appropriate term it became about things that it wasn't intended to be about so stuff got a little weird and we put on the brakes for a while and let some time pass, and now here we are, fresh out of the gate again. Is there, you know, like when you when you take songs, especially that you've written in 2016 and like even beyond, like is and you look at them now, like did you kind of look at them and and say like, oh, I can refresh that, I can change that, or or are they largely the same? You know, it's funny. The songs are pretty much exactly as they were when they were written. But I mean, we were writing as recently as this past year. So it's not like 
what you're getting, you're getting a tome of work that started at one point and just continued forward. It was a natural progression. It's not like we wrote all of this stuff at one time and it just sat on a shelf and now, we're, you know, dusting it off and, and, and throwing it out there to see what happens. Um, and it was never, it was never an issue or a concern. We weren't writing for the times, you know what I mean? So it wasn't like, this song's got an 80s vibe. This sounds like Motley Crue. This sounds like Guns N' Roses. We just said, this feels good. And I structured my lyrics and whatever. It, it was always about the piece of music and the way it came across, the way it hit me, the way it made me feel. Um, and I kind of took that approach with the whole record. And I think it's worked really well because no two songs on this record sound the same but the silver thread runs through it. You can tell who the band is, but it's like, and if I had to make a comparison, I'd say it's kind of like a appetite for destruction in that you listen to that record and you're like, well, what's going on? How many singers do these guys have? Mm -hmm. And I'm familiar with the record and you're like, this is who the band is. And you slowly but surely start to dig it and you go, wait, this isn't like anything else that's out there. And that's kind of what I think we've done here. Not to say we're Guns N' Roses, you know what I mean? But, is the idea of that record it's true I, I came into the record kind of expecting a retro feel and it you know i mean there's their that's on a couple songs but overall it's a very modern rock album and the diversity is what caught my ear not just in the music but in your voice in in you know uh yeah you could fool people into thinking there's a minimum five singers in this band if you wanted to yeah, that's my identity crisis happening. <laughs> <laughs> Got medicine, don't worry. <laughs> Going to show up at your door. So, so when when we you know we talk about the you be yeah and the identity crisis, like how is it that you kind of I guess learned that you could do that with your voice, and then and then do you try to sing like other people at times besides Steven Tyler, but to like, or, or do you just kind of, does it just kind of naturally fold that way? Whatever I mean, fits I, the song basically, right? Yeah, exactly. As a singer, I just, I can do a lot of stuff. Um, and it, it's not like I go, look what I can do, but it seems right for the song. I, so many influences. You know what I mean? Like ever since I was a little kid growing up in, in Detroit, listening to my, my older brothers getting his record collection and all the stuff that he had, I was like, I love this and I love this and I love this and I love this. And, and there weren't any rules back then. You know what I mean? It's like you get older and all of a sudden there's clicks. It's like, you know, you, you've got your, your, your burnouts, your classic rockers, and you've got your new age kids or your hip hop group and whatever it might be now. I don't even know, but, um it was just about music for me and when i was 13 years old and I, I didn't really play an instrument but i knew that i wanted music to be my life and the kids up the street were forming a band and nobody wanted to sing i got shoved in front of the microphone and i just said well i like iron maiden so <laughs> I'm i love queens right let's do that and here's some led zeppelin and wow, hey, there's, you know, Red Hot from Motley Crue. Uh, those things just kind of bleed in, you know what I mean? So if I've got those tools in my arsenal, why not use them? You guys are artists. You know, you got blue, green, pink, red, yellow, white. 
You're not just going to say, let's just use the black today. I got them. I'm using them. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of it. Yeah, because it's it's interesting when you when you go back and listen to Cherry Street and then, and then you listen to especially like American Hardcore, the L.A. Guns album, and, the, and then now into this, like like you would never believe that that is all you. Yeah, I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> that was there. Yeah, I know. Um, the L.A. Guns thing is actually kind of funny because. Uh, I went into that thinking, yeah, LA Guns, I'm going to make a really kick-ass rock record with these guys. And at that time, Tracy was mostly listening to, like, Corrosion of Conformity and Down, you know, throwing some from Pantera or whatever, and just, like, just this plethora of, like, you know, heavy bands and stuff. And they were trying to move away from what they originally were, which, in my opinion, was amazing mm -hmm. i love they originally were i was a fan of the band before i became a member of the band and i thought i was going in for more of that and you know we got in the studio and it was more and heavier you know what i mean so that was that was the direction that thing kind of got pushed in and i think at one point we actually changed the name of the band which made a lot of sense um because i knew we were going to get beat to hell i'm not phil lewis and the direction that record took us in steered us as far away from what originally became or started out as LA Guns as, as possible at the time. Um, I don't know if anybody else would agree with me on that. It's just my personal opinion. But, you know, we did it and it was cool for what it was, but it was just really not was it wasn't what I was expecting when I got into it. Wasn't Just what like, I was expecting when I listened to it either. Right. Yeah. Uh, from, from the fan perspective, I mean, it caught me off guard. Eventually, I grew to appreciate the album, but it's never going to be the album I go to when I think I want to hear the LA Guns. It right. Doesn't sound like the LA Guns. Yeah. And I'm sure the other three people that listen to that record feel the same way you do. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think that do you think that tracy kind of pushed you in a direction that maybe you weren't comfortable with and like into a vocal that you because because like you talk about like him listening to phil anselmo and and like when i listen to it i can i can it's almost like hmm, sounds kind of like phil anselmo singing some of the songs but uh yeah um well he's no shrieking violent i yeah. can tell you <laughs> And anybody, if you know Tracy, Tracy's, you know, it's it's right here and and he'll tell you what he's thinking and you don't have to guess about it. And he's very direct and he knew what he wanted and he knew what he loved about me when he saw me performing. That's how the song came about, like with with L.A. Guns. The band had broken up. They just broken up. Um, Tracy was going to go on to do Killing Machine with a couple of the guys and Phil had moved off into his own direction. and. Tracy was buying a guitar cabinet off a guitarist in a band I was with at the time called Boneyard and or vice versa. Though this guy was buying a, a cab off of Tracy and he answered a, an ad in the local paper. And I just went with this guy to handle the transaction. Didn't know it was Tracy Guns. <laughs> right. So we showed up at the house and Tracy Guns answers the door. He's like, I don't even know what's going on. You know, Tracy, big, happy, smiley guy that he is, whatever. And went in and and you know we kicked it for a while and it's funny because i'd met i'd actually met tracy once before when i was in cherry street 
he did a cameo with Phil for the walk video. Anybody that doesn't know that, put that out there now. But, um, you know, we so we got talking about it and stuff. And that band that I was in had a show at FM Station that night. And Tracy ended up coming out. And I think that he brought, I think he brought Steve Riley with him that night. And then the band had another show at the Roxy. And that night he came out and he brought Steve and Kelly Nichols. And he was like, listen, man, we were going to break up the band, but if you're willing to join, we'll keep it together. And I said, are you serious? And he said, yeah, well, I had two guys in my band come to me the week prior saying, we're quitting the band because they were having internal issues with another member. And I was like, Tommy couldn't be better on this. <laughs> you know, I had two conditions. We get along and we can write well together. And I wanted to bring one of my guitarists, who was Johnny Crypt, into the fold with me. And Tracy said, not a problem. Mick Cripps isn't going to be staying with the band. So if he can play and he knew he could play, you know, he, he was the perfect replacement guy. Long story short, Kelly eventually left the band and we ended up a four piece, but he wanted to go really, really heavy. And I think, I mean, Killing Machine was already a precursor for that. Anybody that followed Tracy outside of LA Guns knew that he was into the heavy stuff. So it's not like it was fake. It's just, it wasn't really LA Guns. You know, if we'd have called it something different, I think people would have been a lot more accepting and who knows what would have happened. But that's kind of that story. Uh, that's fascinating, actually. I mean, I was always curious how much of the actual songwriting you did on that album, how much control you were able to exert because uh, it sounds like not much. Uh... Uh, actually, not really true. I mean, I wrote some basically from front to back uh, i am alive i brought in you know what mm -hmm. i mean like, mm -hmm. that's one of my favorites actually so oh is it yeah <laughs> and there you have it the first song we wrote together was give um so we it was it was all a collaboration but it was also a collaboration with me keeping in mind that this is tracy's band right it's got his name right in it guns tracy guns. so Tracy asked me to sing for his band and it wasn't going to be my band until I really earned that. And when I say my band, I'm talking about as a collective, of course, I'm not talking about taking over Tracy's band, but um, I knew what he wanted. I knew what he was interested in and he was clear about it. So I put myself in that place and I moved myself in that direction. I knew that I could. So that part wasn't a problem. I guess the real question was whether I should, you know, and time will answer that. I find more people love that record now than when it came out mm -hmm. I, all the time. It amazes me. People are like, it was ahead of its time. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it certainly seems that people like it better now than they did then. Well, you know, once you adjust to it and you just listen to the music, the music is good. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, it's, absolutely. it's just the expectations that, that throw you off. You're and, right. You know, speaking of expectations, you went from there to bassist and love hate. So <laughs> this idea that you're doing bass, not singing. I mean, I'm. You got to be in front of the microphone. Thank God you found That's it now. No, I used to drive Jizzy crazy, man, because he's two minutes late for practice, and I'd be blackout. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm singing. I'm laughing at the same time, kind of making that work very well, but. 
you know, I'd be in the crowd. I loved that band. No pun intended. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just absolutely loved that band. I, I had Blackout in the Red Room before anybody had it, you know, uh, back when I was in Detroit. Uh, that stuff would come through. You know, I had, I had buddies that would send me stuff from, from L.A. or whatever, and it was underground. And it was like Love, Hate and Jane's Addiction and L.A. Guns, ironically, uh, before they blew up big where I was at. Uh, I was into all those bands. So, man, I mean, how did that even happen? I think Jizzy approached Johnny to be the guitarist. And Johnny is Johnny Crypt, okay, from L.A. Guns. And needed a bass player. And they said, can you do it? And I said, sure, I can play bass 12 hours a day for six months straight slap <laughs> dope <laughs> you know what i mean and and that's the truth like i i'm that guy i said yeah i can do this i didn't think about whether it was humanly possible but i did i went out and um johnny had all he had bass gear because he become the bassist in la guns when we became four piece he started stars so i took all his bass gear and I bought him all new guitar gear. And I mean, I had a basic understanding. I mean, I can play um, a little bit of everything, but I don't consider myself a guitarist or a bassist or a drummer. I can use those as tools to write. You know what I mean? I put my ideas across, uh, but I sat in a room. And at one point, um, Jizz even introduced me to Skid and he sat down with me and we worked together for a little bit. And then um, there was another cat that was in, in a band with Jizzy for a while. Then he was in Samantha seven. Chris was his name as well. And he sat down with me and, and I got it. I got all that stuff. So learned all that material. We were in the studio um, writing and recording and working on a new record. And just before we started, touring just gets the call to join rat and he says i'm quitting my own band to join rat and I, they can't blame him i i mean it, it, it bummed me out because we put all this work into it or whatever but you know i mean it sucked but i didn't like resent him for it i understood it it's a little different for me because i was such a huge love hate fan but for him i mean he'd been doing it forever and he was trying to keep that legacy going. And he's maintained and found a way to do that while doing Rad and then doing Quiet Riot and whatever else he's done in the, in the interim. But but just a little band called L.A. Guns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did I drop the ball on that? I... <laughs> and, and, you know, Mike Starr. Um, yep. Guy, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's Ralph. Hey. That revolving door has hit us all in the ass at one point or another. <laughs> but I mean, who yeah. else can people make fun of that? But who else can say like, man, they've had some great. Now I'm talking about myself, but some great guys in that band that have all they've gone on to do stuff like, you know, whatever level it's hit at. They they're real guys. They're career musicians and, and, and they've done their thing. They've made their marks. So it's pretty impressive. There is both, no doubt. Both versions of the band right now that are out there are doing terrific music. 
and completely different from each other. So for me, it feels like there's a place for both. I hope that they realize that, you know, and yeah. Yeah, but damn it. You know what? Okay. So again, having been a victim, I don't know if that's the right word, but party to this situation when I was in the band, I told you we changed the name of the band and nobody wanted to give us a deal. And I mean, it was literally go back to being LA guns. We'll give you a record deal. Mm-hmm. Wow. Adding factor. You know what I mean? You got to eat. You want to make a living. It was a gamble. We knew it, but we ended up changing the name back to LA guns. And then it was the fist fight every night tour, because guess what? I'm not Phil Lewis, you know, no surprise there. But uh, I think at the end of the day, that's what they're facing. It's like they want to get out there and make the money. So they need the moniker. But change the name. There can be only one. You know what I mean? I think at the point. And this is nothing, nothing against Kelly Nichols or. Steve Riley, you know, or, or Scotty Griffith, like the guys in that band, nothing against them. I'm not, not a negative word or whatever, but it's like, if you've got Tracy guns and Phil Lewis in the same band, mm-hmm. LA pretty much that's LA guns. That's yeah, my, that's true. That's this true. other is a great band doing good music. Everybody knows that you were LA guns or touring that way. Now go ahead and change the name name and blaze your call it Riley. Mm-hmm. Or or Nichols Riley or Riley Nichols or Nogdos Plow or whatever <laughs> the you know <laughs> which, which which is which is a wink at Kelly Nichols because he suggested that for the LA Guns band. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. That's, That's awesome. That for a heavy name, Nogdos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would do it already. Right. Just just uh as- Kelly Nichols might have stayed and we'd all still be together. <laughs> <laughs> as as long as they don't call it Angels in Vain. That's really the important part. Right. There's a story there too, man. I don't know if you guys know this. There was another Angels in Vain. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oops, right. Kelly was a member of that band, but it, it was V A I where to God strike me dead with lightning ball. I didn't realize that. It had nothing to do with that. Unless on some deep, unaware psych- psychological level, like I'd buried that or something, which I mean, you know, only my psychiatrist would know for sure. But um, there was. And when I found that out, it, it freaked me out pretty bad. And I actually got a hold of Kelly Nichols and I was like, hey, just so you know, this wasn't deliberate. But and he gave us his blessing. He was like, that's cool, man. It's good to be you somehow. So. Anybody out there that knows about that? Or I mean, I guess this was a really, really long time ago that that band existed. I, I uh, have a list. You know, we were talking about my graphic novel. I have a yeah. list of music that we've created on YouTube for the graphic novel of different obscure bands. That They're on there. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little less obscure, doesn't it? <laughs> they're on there. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. Buddy, we might have offended, but it was it wasn't done it wasn't done deliberately. It wasn't meant to be plagiaristic or you know, um, you know, we're 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 more talking about the things that get inside you that drive you, yeah. you know, hence V E I N. No, I don't think I don't think it's going to bother anybody. But uh, so you went and 
kind of went to a remote location for a while, took some time off from the music industry. What was the last straw? What was it where you went? That's it. I'm, I got it. I'm, I'm going crazy. I'm out of there. Okay. So I'm a truth teller, which can always be a problem because not everybody wants to hear the truth or believes it. And truth is subjective, right? So my version of the truth may not be somebody else's, but, and I, and I debate this because this question is bound to come up. So as, as choosing my words, and I, I really don't want to be sitting here thinking about what I'm about to say. So I'm just going to speak. All right. So in a nutshell, this band didn't start out as a band. It was two guys that set out to write a record because they loved to write together. Um, They're like-minded and it was just about the music. It's that simple. It's plain and simple. That was all this was. And it became something else when other people joined and what it became was great until it wasn't. And then there were unrealistic expectations and, it just went south, man. It stopped feeling good. It stopped being what it was intended to be. And I didn't want that. I didn't want this just to be like a corporate machine. I didn't want to rush it out because somebody needed to get on the road because they had to make their rent. That's not what it was about. I understood those things for those people, but it's not what it was about. you know. And, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But then it got ugly, right? Um, there, there was name calling and, and things were said that just aren't true. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not coming after somebody. I'm not going to, I don't want that kind of focus on the band. It's just not going to happen. So I kind of let it die. I said, this is going to be what it is. And it's going to stop right here until it feels good again, until there's a reason to put it out again, until this has gone away. And, you know, I, I hope that answers your question, but that's really what it was. It stopped, it stopped feeling good. I, I appreciate your honesty and it's not an easy question to answer. So, you know, um, yeah, well. but your music's in your blood. You get drawn back in. you're, you're like Michael Corleone, you know, just when I think I'm out, they draw me back in. Well, the, the music, you, you might be out of the music, but the music's never out of you. Yeah. I mean, it's not just what we do. It's, it's, fundamentally who we are and you'll know that when you look at what guys are still popping up and always playing or showing up on this stage or that and it doesn't matter whether it's still arenas or it's tiny stages and dive bars those guys are out there and and people go what happened to and it's like all you got to do is google them and you're going to see a performance of them playing up the street or whatever and and those guys just truly love it so we find our way back. You just might not be as aware of it because it's not it's not as public, right? It's it's not on the same platform as or stage. Not a lot of bands survive that long. There aren't a lot of Nikki Sixes out there, man. You know what I mean? There's no. a genius. This is a guy that knows how to keep the focus on himself, whatever he's doing, and he's proven it time and again. You know what I mean? Like. It's not just Motley Crue. It's Nikki Six writes a novel. 
Nikki Six does a coffee table photo book. Uh, you know, Nikki Six starts six a. Everything he does, he knows exactly. We're not talking about Brad's destruction. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing against that man except the fact that I wasn't in it. <laughs> and and I say that in the utmost sincerity. That that would have been an amazing thing, but like so, but really, everything that he does and sticks with happens. Um, for most of us, it's not like that, you know. I don't I don't know what the magic is, um, but but he certainly has found it. And there are a handful of bands that have found ways to stay together, uh, and 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 have kept the focus on them over over the years. Whether they're still producing top tens, look at Aerosmith, you know. What I mean? How many number one singles has Aerosmith had? Mm-hmm. And they didn't even write and Diana warned it. Yeah, that's right. They're so timeless. You know, I performed their songs every night for 10 years and I'm still not sick of them. You know, still love the band. Um, but again, I, I digress. I move. I'm like, I'm like a ping pong ball, man. I'm like... <laughs> No, to, when you're performing Aerosmith songs for a decade like that, I mean, yeah. you must change up the set list quite a bit to to keep it fresh. And because they have so many great songs. 50 pounds of shit in a 10-pound sack, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what I do? I do medleys, right? So I can get at least the feel of as much of it in as possible. <laughs> The the plan was to go from Legends to a residency with Aerosmith. And I had this whole concept, and the idea was the evolution of Aerosmith. And I wanted to perform their life from their inception to the peak of their career, moving through those eras with costume changes and actually reenacting key moments in the band's history. And and the big plan, I don't think I've really talked about this, but the, the big plan was to bring Jimmy Crespo in. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Jimmy and I played together for yeah, a while. Yeah, that's right. I ended up in Las yeah. Vegas. That's how I ended up here. I was living in Cali. Um, Jimmy and I played together. I know a lot of people from that camp. I've become really good friends with like Ray, Ray Tavano, who co-formed, who co-founded Aerosmith with Steven. You know, that's his oldest and one of his dearest friends. Well, Ray and I are, we've become really close over the years. So I wanted to bring these people in and make them part of that show progressively. And we actually did a small version of it. Um, we did a summer long residency at Canopy Park in, in New Hampshire. We're talking Aerosmith's backyard. Wow. And very, very well. And we got back to, California, and I say California because most of the band, most of Aerosmith, which is the band at the time, lived in California, um, went into the studio to put the rest of the stuff together that we were working on, got ready to start pitching the residency. Aerosmith shows up in Las Vegas. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what a great idea. And, and, and pitches to, and then the pandemic. Yeah. It was like, well, no. This isn't happening. Um, so that just kind of went south and sideways. Uh, but they're they're out there doing well. God bless them. You know, and, and everybody's happy as far as I know. So 
Yeah. Yeah. One door closes, another one opens, though. You know, Angels of Bane. Boots and we kick them off, baby. Yeah, exactly. Angels of Bane. Like, I, I love the album. I think my favorite songs are Ready to Roll and Don't Want Love. Uh, but I love yeah. both the covers you do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You I know, love both covers, too. Thank you. This is some of my first feedback, right? Oh, really? Because yeah, the album isn't officially available to the seventh. That's right. That's right. Some people got pre-orders. Some people got autographed copies. I guess a few people they're out there, right? I mean, the president of the record company called me when we released notice that we had certain number of pre like starring copies going out, and he was losing his mind. He's like, "Take it down! Take it down! I'm selling a copy a second. <laughs> Literally was the message I got and it was screaming at me in caps. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good sign. Right. But like I've not heard from anybody specifically yet, like what they've heard that they like, what they're into, what they hate. So hearing that is good feedback. Well for I, me, for me, with me tonight is uh, is my favorite song of the album. And you know, I love the fact because it's just like it feels you know like like the lyric lyrical content is just so lifelike you know and and i mean that in such a good way because it because it's just like it feels like you could just go out and it's just like this is something that you would live yeah yeah i i understand exactly what you mean yeah it's 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 definitely not overthought it's not intended to be like super deep and analyze it and you're supposed to feel it exactly the way it's intended and the way you're describing it is kind of right on the money. But I find interesting that you guys have three different songs that you, you know what I mean, are gravitating to. And that was my point from earlier about the record. I think that's the kind of record it is tomorrow. It might be a different song, you know, mm -hmm. um, the one other person in my life that has really actually had an opportunity to listen to it. That's what I get today. It's like um, Black Blossom is my favorite song. I hated it when I first listened to the record. I just, I didn't, but I can't get it out of my head now. You know I mean? It's that thing. And I'm hoping that's how it works on people. You know, that it crawls into the back of their brain and it makes a nest and it lives there forever. Well, you know, albums like this for me are, are albums that absolutely deserve multiple listens because of the simple fact that there's there's so many layers in them that, you know, you can't just catch it all on the first listen. You, you can't catch it all in the second. You have to, like, get to the third and the fourth and beyond. Well, I can tell you that I'm still listening to it, and I've had some of these songs for six years. <laughs> and I'm surprised that it doesn't. Like, I mean, I know I'm shooting. It's the best record I've ever written. But <laughs> I listen to it and I go, I still love this fucking song. Yeah. This, it still hit me the same way as when it was written. And there are things like, you know, you listen to it and you go, man, I wish I would have done that a little differently. I don't want to pinpoint which things. But, like, there are things that poke me like that. But there comes a time to leave it alone because here's the deal. As musicians, we all have home studios now. We all think we're these great engineers, right? You know what I mean? It's long gone are the days of of the Mutt Langs and and the Jack Douglases, which isn't to say Jack Douglas doesn't still exist and do kick-ass stuff. You know what I mean? You got guys like Adam Hamilton, who, by the way, was a drummer for LA Guns for a while, That's right. who's a brilliant producer, engineer, plays everything amazing. 
props, Adam, if you see this. Um, but those guys are few and far between. And I've got a studio, and my guitar player, Taz, happens to be one of those guys. He's a brilliant engineer. That's what he does. He's got Blue Ocean Music. And so this is personal to him. But I'll I'll listen back to a performance and I'll go, you know, if I just sung that just a little differently, but you can't, you got to stop because otherwise you're just sucking all the life out of it. Nothing is real anymore. If you keep hammering at it or you're dropping auto tune on your vocals and all that crap, it's like my favorite records are the old ones, man. You know, I mean, I don't think Robert Plant had auto tune and maybe you could some. <laughs> But, you know, listen to the old Kiss records. There's some production going on, but most of that stuff is pretty raw. And that's where we kind of wanted to live on this. Like the songs, the things happening in the songs might be polished, but the songs themselves are just very real. And the guitars are driving and it's just like, ah. Uh. It's ironic when you mention Kiss, because I, I think, yeah, you know, those albums are pretty raw. Probably the most produced album was Alive. You know, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ironically, perhaps. Yep. Yep. That's so true. That's so yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, you know, music is that they say it's never finished. It's just released, you know? Right. So that's, that's, you know, that's kind of how I look at it. I, and I want, uh, I, I like a few flaws, you know, mm -hmm. I, I like that because it, it, it gives you that, that, I don't know. It helps me feel like I'm there with the music when I hear a few flaws. Right. You know, the Beatles had flaws, you know, and they're the Beatles, and they had some flaws in their music. Oh, really? Right? So. <laughs> <laughs> that was never finished. Only released. <laughs> but you're right. You're absolutely right about that. And and I think yeah, that that that's the best stuff. I I want to go. Is that a fan in the background that I'm hearing? You know what I mean? Yeah. When the big chord comes down on the end of, you know, Abby Road, it's like you listen to those songs and they weren't listening to them with earbuds or headphones back then, not like we can. And it's amazing what you can discover in those old recordings. You know what I mean? Listen to some of the early Black Sabbath stuff. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, just, just real or, or Bonham's pedal. You can hear it squeaking. You know, wow. <laughs> um, you think maybe Axel's in the background with his girlfriend? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your doors like, being closed and all sorts of stuff going right. on in, that, in those old albums. Right. You know, I love it. I love it. It, it just adds something to it. So, Very cool. uh, so, speaking of other than the fact that they're great songs, with all the millions of songs out there, why do you choose uh, Bang and Gong from? Mark Bull and a T-Rex and Don't You Forget About Me, which I guess was originally written for Billy Idol, but uh, yep. Simple Minds, I think, uh, did it, didn't they? Yeah. And yes. then Billy Idol. Billy Idol did do it eventually. He did do it eventually. So bang, you're only asking the question for your, for your less educated listeners, your younger, because come on. I mean, how do you, it's, dude, it's T-Rex. Yeah, <laughs> That's I for know. sure. It, it, bang a gong so i grew up listening to that song and every time it comes on i'm like <laughs> so there's got to be something in there that drives you to look if you're gonna re if you're gonna re-record something 
you have to either be able to do it justice or bring something new to the table without compromising the integrity of the original recording. And that's kind of, that's my personal feeling on it. And I don't know what gave me the ego to think I could pull it off with either of these two songs, but in my honest opinion, I think we've accomplished it. Um, it's not my amazing blazing vocal on, on Bang a Kong that does it. Although I get the job done, it has more to do with like the people I know that I brought in to work with us on it that I was so excited about. So my buddy, Smoking Joe Escriba, um, he's a multi-instrumentalist and he was working with Legends in Concert for many, 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 many years. But he's also performed with Tower of Power wow. and like everybody that's anybody. And this guy's like, he's, he's a brilliant, like, horn player piano player like, like you name it and i sat down with him and we structured that stuff you know what i mean to to just to bring it to life and then the the conga sections there's a slap bass in part of that song that if you don't listen really closely you miss it but when you hear it you can't unhear it and it's ridiculous because it's moving with the conga line and it, it's it's so all right, I'm getting excited about the music, but but the point <laughs> is, that's the reason. That's that's a nod to somebody that gave me so much, and and uh, don't you forget about me. That's just a funny story because, you know, I I've always heard that song and thought this is a really great song. If it were a little heavier and done just a little differently. You know, and I would find myself singing along. And it's not the kind of thing that I would gravitate to as a rock guy. You know what I mean? I love all kinds of music, but that hard, I'm just a rock guy. And so I find myself singing it. But I never found myself singing it like the original artist, which I thought was curious. I actually questioned myself about it. I was like, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to sing this the way, you know. I'm sorry, I don't know the name of the guy that's the singer in the band. Oh, but, yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. Okay, so there you have it. So <laughs> I, I, sing, I would sing it, and Taz and I were talking about it because you know who did a lot of covers on the first record and the second record? Van Halen. Mm -hmm. We're like, we, yeah. hey, thank you. Like, why don't we do some nods? Let's do something kind of cool. Share our influences. And he's like, well, what would you want to do? And I said, all right, you're going to laugh. Don't laugh at me. Or go ahead if you want. I don't give a fuck. But <laughs> what about this? And I put it out there, and he was really quiet. And then he laughed. And I said, okay, so you're laughing. He goes, no, man, you don't get it. I said, what is it? He goes, I have a version of that song I've been working on. <laughs> what? You can't make this you up. what the odds are of that? <laughs> yeah. He had a version of the song, no vocals that he was working up. I said, send it to me. Basically, 50 minutes later, it was on its way to being done. I mean, the, the first version of it. And then we fine-tuned it from there, but it was like, it was just like, bam, and that song was done. And then we found out, which made it even cooler, what you mentioned earlier, that song was originally offered to Billy Idol, and he took a pass on it. And I get that in my head, and I'm like, oh, come on. How cool is that? You know what I mean? So maybe this is the way it would have been done or something like if Billy Idol had actually gotten his hands on that song and not passed on it. 
We all make mistakes, Billy. <laughs> but so that's the whole thing behind the covers. You know, what I mean, Van Halen did it. It was it was great. There's stuff that we love. Um, you know, not one trick ponies, and I think it works, man. I really think it works. Both of them work because both of them they have completely different sounds, and like like it helps with the diversity. We talk about no songs are sounding the same. Those two covers don't sound the same, and they don't sound the same as any other, anything else on the album too, because they are, you know, they're familiar, but they definitely got your spin on them, and and that's what I love when I hear a cover that is that it, I know it's paying homage to the original, but it's 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 being done and given its own spin, um, mm -hmm. a fresh spin. That's when I love it, you know. Well, I'm glad. I'm I'm glad that it hit you that way. Um, I know you guys know your music, so it 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 means something um, from educated ears. And I'm hoping people that just listen to music because they like music get it the same way. I, I hope that they read it like that. And maybe they'll discover something new and they'll realize where that stuff came from. And they'll look backwards and it'll open a whole new world to them. You know, mm -hmm. old is new again. I mean, it's it's time, right? It's like everything hits in phases. And I think we're right about on the precipice of everybody going, okay, this is great, but man, can we please have some great rock and roll music? Because the world needs it. Let's face it. It is fucked up out there right now. Shine a light in every dark corner. You know what I mean? But, but there is a lot of that. There's a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression, a lot of frustration. And, you know I mean, man, what's up with all the kids and guns? It's like, I, I grew up in one of the roughest in the, in the world and it wasn't like it is now you know uh you know I'm a, I'm a kid from detroit mostly or suburbs we all say detroit right but nobody actually grew up in detroit because <laughs> the and my buddy spike dilcher i'm kidding to all my friends from detroit you guys know i love you i'm kidding but uh like just seeing the state of the world today i think we need that again we need that release and and people need to be able to forget about some of the pressures and music that says i relate okay i i get where you're at or forget where you're at take your pick you know i needed that man if if i didn't have blizzard of oz when i was a kid or you know this is kind of weird but like bob seeger live bullet like there's oh, so many great, records great album oh god god i actually did a remake like years ago um of turn the page there's a video oh really wow. on, on, i gotta look that yeah. up i did it on a portable eight track in my hotel room in hawaii when i was performing there for a year with legends in concert I needed to, so I, I recorded the whole freaking song and like shot a stupid video in the room and everything for it. But again, you know, one of my favorite artists and he's a, he's a hometown boy. Um, but if I didn't have that stuff when I was a kid, man, I don't know what I would have done. You know, I turned to the music. The music was, that was my savior. So I don't know what the kids today have, you know, it's like, it's, it's very different. Oh, it's yeah, very I'm different like, with the social media and all that crap. 
I right. couldn't imagine growing up with it. And the truth is, I, though, I do believe, I mean, it's like you say, I mean, you talk about the power of music. Obviously, we love music, all three of us love it. And I believe in the power of music to change the world. I really do. I'm in. I yeah. tell you what, you know, and it's all there. The anger, the pain, the joy, you know. It, could you imagine what life would be without that soundtrack? Just think about a movie with no music. Mm-hmm. Your favorite with no music. In fact, I've been seeing these these videos lately. Have you guys been seeing these? It's like uh, um, Journey Separate Ways or or uh, Jagger and Bowie dancing in the streets, like the videos. But there's no music. It's just like when, <laughs> when you, you hear shuffling and they go, ooh. And, and clank, 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 clank. oh, man, they're really fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, okay, but I haven't. I I got that. I got to see, especially dancing in the streets without, yeah. you know, <laughs> without the music, because that video is very um something. It's something that's something. It's colorful is the word. Colorful, I was yeah. use. Great choice of words. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but but that's what it would be like when you watch those videos. Think about what I said. What would our what would our lives be without without the music? You know, setting the tone in the background. You don't know the shark is coming in Jaws until, but when you hear the dun 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 dun, you know. So oh yeah, you know something's going to be there. Get out of the water, kids! <laughs> now, I was going to ask you about the the different artwork and the graphic uh, artists, but uh, I found out that it's you just prior to recording here. I were about the beginning of the recorder. I think just prior, yeah. The, so I mean, we'll just get you to do a uh, picture for our next graphic novel, and uh, oh. you know, you know, just just put that out there. But uh, not or anything, just uh, yeah, because I got all the free time in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, it's going to take a while. It'll take a while before it's ready. Seven years. I got to write another. I got seven years to write another record. I got to get it out there. <laughs> It's only seven years, but I, I was curious also about uh, the cover to the album because it's uh, it's striking, uh, and uh, that that lady is striking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not going to forget it. It's definitely an image that'll stick with well, you. About that. <laughs> All right. So okay. Great question. Let me start with her name is Bryn Amberly. In case anybody is wondering about Bryn. Uh, Bryn is a model friend and actually is a model. Um, so she was gracious enough to agree to be our, I got to choose my words carefully, man. Yeah, this day and age, model. yeah. I was going to say, I'm going to stay with model. No, but so, so yeah, uh, we had this concept and I wanted it to evolve. And the idea originally was it was going to evolve from single to single because it's always spread, right? Moving forward. And it culminates with the actual cover art for the album. Her on the front. I don't want to say you guys have it, right? So like, you know, what's on the back, right? I don't want to say for people that haven't seen it, that don't know, but there was a whole series of events that led up to that, that were photos that ought to have, been released too the problem is different band members right and our photographer who is amazing um john charles from rebellion and truth 
Look him up. He's a fantastic photographer. Uh, he, he's very, very serious about his work. And he is not big on manipulation. So it's like we don't want to grab guys out of the photos that exist. But there was something leading up to that last photo that you see on the back cover. And there's supposed to be just a yellow tape outline. That's <laughs> all you're supposed to see. So it's <laughs> right. Okay. So it was an it was an evolution of events. And it was all tend to be tongue in cheek, no pun intended. Uh, but yeah, so so British Stunning and She's also in, I think she, isn't she in, in one form or another, she's in both the videos. She's in 1973. That's her in, in 73. Okay. And I think, yeah, you see her in the beginning of Trip of a Lifetime um, with, it, with the wings opening. And you also see her as the car is going. On billboards. If you watch that second video, the trip. If you watch Trip of a Lifetime, you watch it closely and you slow it down to see what the car's seeing. There is a lot going on in that video. That's all kind of hidden Easter eggy angels and vein related stuff. And I know because I did all the production work on those videos. Nice. So, not to my own horn. I'm just taking responsibility. <laughs> well, well, you feel free and say hello to her for me and Brad. <laughs> <laughs> you know she's good with it maybe you can say hello yourself let's see how this goes <laughs> set that up for when the next album comes out <laughs> well we're almost at our time with you here but we want to give you the chance to uh, promote uh, Brett do you have any final questions no I mean uh, we absolutely please promote everything uh, tell everybody how they can find Angels in Vain how they can keep up with you you just got to lift up the nearest rock and look under it. <laughs> so, uh, Angels in Vain, V-E-I-N, not V-A-I-N. Uh, if you want the New York variation, there you go. You can move in the other direction. But um, you can find us on YouTube. Google us. Really, that's what it comes down to. Um, Paris Records, the new album long time coming and it is because it took us about six years to get it released uh is officially hitting stores uh the 7th of next month so coming up real soon here april 7th um angelsinvain.com although i haven't been monitoring the site so i don't know how long it's been since it's updated it might be like a time capsule it's a time capsule yep Time capsule, yeah, I know, because it's everything has been. It was like nothing, and then hey, we're releasing the record, and everybody's scrambling, <laughs> and I'm like, man, I got a life, I don't have time, because I was doing all stuff. So I will, I will get to updating that. But I mean, come find me, Chris Vandal on on Facebook. Um, I'm I'm not Stephen T on Instagram or Angels in Vain on Instagram. Pretty much anywhere you type in the name Angels in Vain, we're gonna pop up. You know, and if they're watching this, they know that they can find me on your show. That's right, and we're glad that they found that they can find you yeah. on on our show. The because, album's uh, out April seventh, April seventh. Yeah, I mean, you're so close. You, it must be just like <laughs> finally, like it's, it, you got to be just. I know the feeling. We're a couple oh. months away from our book being out after all those years. It, it's okay. just you know. Yeah, but you know, nobody believes it, right? Because it's been. Yeah. 
crying wolf or said like said it's coming we're working on it but you know honestly, and the truth of the matter is we were working on it there was always something to do with it being done you know what i mean and like you said it's it's never done it just it's it's released um we never deliberately lied to anybody just to keep them hanging on the edge of their seats but nobody planned for the pandemic and things happened life happened but we kept our word we said that the record was coming the record is coming it is getting released it, it people have physical copies in their hand it exists and i can't wait to see your graphic novel moving along <laughs> oh there there you go thank you very much for your time right. and uh you know um i'll just give you a little note off air about that the graphic novel but uh for now we'll uh, uh we'll we'll call it a show and brett uh I don't know about you, but uh, that's one of my favorites of the year. Well, well, I mean, Chris, you've been great, and uh, and I urge everybody to go out and listen to the album because it's awesome, and people need to hear it. So, so Chris Vandell, thank you so much, and uh, and we will talk to you again. Thank you, brother. You guys, take care. Stay safe. Will do. You too. It's got that built up Limited offer. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a rock star. <laughs> <laughs>